It's Thursday of the third week of Advent. Welcome to today's Advent Cast. This is Father John Zulsdorf. Since it's Thursday, let's start thinking about the Sunday to come, and that will be the fourth Sunday of Advent. This is what Dom Prosper Giranger has to say in the liturgical year. We have now entered into the week which immediately precedes the birth of the Messiah. That long-desired coming might be even tomorrow, and at furthest, that is, when Advent is as long as it can be, the beautiful feast is only seven days from us so that the church now counts the hours. She watches day and night, and since December 17th, her offices have assumed an unusual solemnity. At Lauds, she varies the antiphons each day, and at Vespers, in order to express the impatience of her desires for her Jesus, she makes use of the most vehement exclamations to the Messiah, in which she each day gives him a magnificent title borrowed from the language of the prophets. Today, she makes a last effort to stir up the devotion of her children. She leads them to the desert. She shows them John the Baptist, upon whose mission she instructed them on the third Sunday. The voice of the austere precursor resounds through the wilderness and penetrates even into the cities. It preaches penance and the obligation men are under of preparing by self-purification for the coming of Christ. Let us retire from the world during these next few days, or, if that may not be, by reason of our external duties, let us retire into the quiet of our own hearts and confess our iniquities, as did those true Israelites who came, full of compunction and of faith in the Messiah, to the Baptist, there to make perfect their preparation for worthily receiving the Redeemer on the day of his appearing to the world. From Dogma und Verkündigung by Joseph Ratzinger Nowadays, a theologian or preacher is all but expected to heap more or less sarcastic criticism on our popular way of celebrating Christmas, and thus to contrast impressively the touching sentimentality of our celebration with the stark reality of the first Christmas. Christmas, we are told, has been commercialized irredeemably and has degenerated into a senseless marketing frenzy. Its religiosity has become tacky. Of course, such criticism is largely justified, even though it might, too, readily forget that, behind the facade of business and sentimentality, the yearning for something purer and greater is not entirely extinguished. Indeed, that the sentimental framework often provides the protecting shield behind which hides a noble and genuine sentiment that is simply reluctant to expose itself to the gaze of the other. The hectic commercialism is repugnant to us, and rightly so, for it is indeed utterly out of place as a commemoration of the hushed mystery of Bethlehem, of the mystery of the God who for us made himself a beggar. And yet, underneath it all, Does it not originate in the notion of giving, and thus in the inner urgency of love, with its compulsion to share, to give of oneself to the other? And does not the notion of giving transport us directly into the core of the mystery that is Christmas? 
In the offertory prayer for the Christmas Vigil Liturgy, we ask God for the grace to receive with joy His everlasting gifts that come to us in the celebration of Christ's birth. Thus, the concept of gift-giving is squarely anchored in this liturgy of the Church, and at the same time, we are made aware of the primal mode of all giving at Christmas, that God, on this holy night, desired to make himself into a gift to mankind, that he turned himself over to us. The one genuine Christmas gift to mankind, to history, to each one of us, is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Even those who do not believe him to be God incarnate will have to admit that he has enriched and gifted the inner existence of generations upon generations. <laughs> 